This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey gang, welcome to the show. Your Saltwater Guide, we have another great interview for you today with a really good guy, Mark Mills. I've known him since he was a young man, worked for the family for a long time. We're going to get deep into the stories of Mark Mills and where he came from and where he's at today. But before we get all that started, gang, I want to tell you a little about a thing that's coming up that's super important. Kelly Girler and I are flying up to Southern California. We're going to be at the Hubs Marine Institute on the SeaWorld property on August 3rd for the Anthony Shea Lifetime Conservation Reception and Dinner. The Anthony will be there giving the award away to Bill Shedd, owner of AFCO, and his father Milton Shedd was the creator of SeaWorld. He had the idea and built SeaWorld. The story is phenomenal. You can see the whole story if you go over to my website, yoursaltwaterguide.com. Over there, we have an interview with Bill I did six years ago. He talks about how his father built SeaWorld, what the whole idea was about. But gang, we're going to be up there. We're going to have a cup, probably a couple of tables now because things are selling out so quickly. But if you hit that QR code right now, you have an opportunity to have dinner with Kelly Girl and I at the SeaWorld. After hours on August 3rd, we're going to be there, Kelly Girl and myself, and then whoever gets the first seats that are available, you're going to grab that QR code, you're going to go over there and you're going to purchase your seats to have dinner with us, and then there'll be a silent auction, there'll be all kinds of things, and every penny goes to CCA. Every penny, the, 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 uh, the amount of money you pay for your seat, everything's going to CCA, and like I always say when I'm talking about CCA is our only voice at the table. They're the, the only voice we have. And everywhere we look and every time we turn around and the gentleman that I'll have on the show, Mr. Mark Mills, will talk a little bit about CCA and how important it is. His company will have a, a table at the show also. But gang, you guys have an opportunity. Not that I'm a big deal, but I'm bringing Kelly Girl along with me. So maybe somebody will buy a seat at the table and sit with us and have dinner. But Kelly Girl and I will be there. We already purchased our plane tickets. We're coming up. We'll be there on August 3rd. Grab that QR code because we're going to jump into this interview and the QR code is going to go away. You want to go the, through the QR code to make sure you're sitting at our table at the dinner at the Anthony Shea Awards Cocktail Reception and Dinner for Bill Shedd. The Lifetime Conservation Award. It's a pretty big deal. My father got it a couple of years ago. I was unfortunate enough 
to have to work in Florida at the time. So I didn't get to see my dad. So this one's near and dear to my heart. I'm going to be there. I'm probably going to get emotional because that was the last award my father got. So, all right, with no further ado, let's bring in my good friend, my good buddy, Mr. Mark Mills. Come on in here, bud. Let's have a little chit chat. Hey, chit chat time. Hey, Dave, what's going on, buddy? How are you, man? Thanks for having me. I am so happy that you're here. This is going to be so much fun. There's so <laughs> many things that you and I have to talk about. Oh, and uh, yeah. you started your career in the industry working for my father. So I did. Yep. Matter of fact, I did. I want you to just tell us about how that happened. How did you end up at Dana Wharf Sport Fishing? And then the machine just took off and you went in so many different directions. You have a phenomenal career, but let's talk about the very, very beginning to start with. You ready for this? So this is kind of how it happened. Um, I worked for a week for a masonry company and I worked a week digging ditches. Now at that time I was like 125 pounds. You ever try and push in a shovel when you're 120 pounds into the clay and dirt? I did it for a week. I was beat up. I was tired. I'm like, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. I love fishing, man. My dad would take me fishing. I couldn't sleep at night. I, I wanted to get in the industry. I got down and my dad dropped me off one afternoon down to uh, Dana Wharf. And I'd been on the boats fishing before. And I walked down to a boat, Jack Bandy on the real fun. And I'm like, hey, I want to be a deckhand. How do I do it? And he's like, son, come down here tomorrow morning at 3.30 in the morning. And I'll give you a job for the day. See how you do and see what goes on. So I went down, got up the next morning. My dad drove me down, got on the boat, worked the jack. He's like, you know what? Come back tomorrow. I'm like, okay, cool. Perfect. I'll come back tomorrow. Worked again, enjoyed it. Um, super fun. And he's like, well, here's the bad thing. I don't have a job for you. Grant Lupo, you know Grant. Grant Lupo has this job and he was on vacation. But you're a good kid. You work hard. You go up in the landing and put your name up there. Talk to a lady by the name of Jody Tyson. And I'm like, okay. So I put my name down. I still have that card that I put my name, Mark Mills, deckhand, willing to work. And met with Jody. And she's like, well, we'll see what we can do. Well, Jody had Mike Hansen call me, your brother. And I started working on Saturdays and Sundays and on the boats. Uh, whatever. How boat. old were you? Uh, 14, I think yeah. I was. 14. Yeah. You got to touch on that because yeah, labor laws today are a little different. Yeah, a little different back then. You know what I mean? 14. And the deal is that I worked on Saturdays and Sundays for uh, quite a few months. And Mike actually said, hey, do you want to work in the office? With, and, and Jody. And I'm like, yeah. So I worked Monday through pretty much Friday at least two or three times a week. And then you guys, your dad and your sister and, and, and like I said, Jody at the time said, hey, how about this? Do you want to work on the weekends too? So I was a deckhand on the weekends, but got office opportunity during the week. So one, I was making tons of money, but two, I got to see the whole aspect of the business. And um, be as it may, I spent about, you know, basically 15 years of my life down there and getting to work on the boats. And, and the boat thing is a deckhand kind of, I didn't know if I want to be a deckhand or a skipper. I mean, I, I idolized all them, but I don't know if I want to do that for my whole life. And then I kind of evolved from there. I got some opportunities um, doing Let's Talk Hookup with Pete Gray. Um, I did that for 14 years. Um, I worked for free for 14 years. Um, everybody says they work hard for work. I worked harder. You know it, Dave. As I mean, it didn't matter. I would work so long at the landing that I remember that Mike Hansen would call up and go, hey, what's Mills doing? How do you do this? He's like, he hasn't left yet. They're like, dude, it's 9.30 at night. He hasn't left. Give him $40 out of the drawer and tell him to go home. 
Um, so it was awesome, you know, and then I got to meet, you know, you know, work with you on the boats and, you know, Jose and all those people. So it was awesome. It was, I mean, and that just can, I can keep going from there of where it evolved. If right. you want. No, it was, it was incredible. And you did such a phenomenal job when you would call in to, to Pete's show and talk on the air and sell Dana or sport fishing for my dad and my brother and Jody and everybody. What you did was you took that excitement level that you always had and you brought it onto that show. You were the original guy to call in from a landing. You were the original person for the show. Let's talk hookup back in the day. Yep. They called Pete nicknamed you Mr. Excitement. Yep. It was, it was awesome. Um, and that really was kind of the, you know, other than being at the landing and getting the opportunity, I worked for Bob Fletcher and the sport fishing association of California for years for SAC. Um, but you know, doing Pete's show every, you know, basically Sunday mornings from, uh, at that time it was from five to seven. So that put a dampener on my Friday, on my Saturday nights, you know, to make sure that I was there, but even growing up, but it was so worth it. And I got to meet so many people and it actually, that along with doing all the other stuff gave me my opportunity to get, eventually I kind of wanted to evolve out of Dana Wharf. Still love it. My best friend works down there, Donna, and you guys are still family to me, you, Dave, you know, everybody's family. Your father was literally a father figure to me. Um, uh, he taught me so much. The one thing I do remember about your dad is that I don't ever him remember him never calling me. He always called me Mr. Mills. I was 14 years old. He never called me Mark. It was Mr. Mills. The respect that he gave me, which was amazing. Um, I love that on that end. And, um, you know, that. and then in, I was there from 1989 until... About 2000, 2001 is when I when I moved on, and then I went over to uh, Shimano, um, doing their marketing over there. I think being in with Pete on the show and being at Dana Orr Sport Fishing, it kind of made your name relevant. And being on that show with Pete has made my name very relevant. Not just being Don Hansen's little boy, but that show has got so much power in the industry, and the industry listens to that show. And that was a great jumping off point for you i guess i i know that for a fact for volume of you know people and anglers and you know getting to spend the time i did all the on the water seminars and stuff with pete on that end and uh, the one thing that there was no social media then you know um that's what's funny too and i know that you know your saltwater guide you know you you kind of give the guys the opportunity of fishing and stuff back then you had to know the right people to get fishing information you know you had to learn you had to pay attention you had to listen to everything you could um because you couldn't just wear now you have there's so many more options but you know that gave me my opportunity to, to learn and get to know so many different people from all that stuff i mean Dwayne diego's who's one of our pro staff he calls me a legend dude and that guy is a freaking legend you know um that's it, it's just amazing on, on on the platform that 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 gave me oh yeah for sure and then it allowed you to go on and do what you do which is absolutely amazing but we're going to go back before we go forward. There's still a lot right. of Mark Mills oh, yeah. about Dana Ward sport fishing. And you talked, you mentioned our good buddy, Jose, and you know where I'm going yep. with this one. Mark Mills's nickname. And those of you that don't know, we're going to talk about it here <laughs> is go ahead, man. You want me to say it? You Beverly. Say it. Beverly, Beverly Mills. Yeah. Yep. Because Everybody there was a person. Go ahead and tell the story. No, keep going. No, you do it. You're okay. doing. You're better than I am at it. There, there was a person that swore to God 
when they were talking on the telephone with the person the day before, they were swearing, they were talking to a young lady and <laughs> they made the reservation with the young lady. And the only person working was Mark. They was the <laughs> only person working. The You're killing me. And Jose was just happened to be in there for that conversation. And then that was it, boy. We didn't, when we, and we called, everyone called the rate. Every afternoon, we all called in our fish counts on the radio back in the, the 80s and early 90s. That was kind yep. of the deal. You would call in your, and everyone would call, hey, uh, uh, I can't even remember the call sign. I had it for years. KQU 501, I think it was. Yeah, KKU 501. Beverly, you picking me up? Yep. And then, and then you'd pick up the radio. We did <laughs> the fish count. It was insane. It was so funny. Oh, I yeah. Calling. And then, I remember when we went yellowfin tuna fishing. I knew you're going to bring up this one. So everybody wonders who Dave's really about, and if is this an act? No, it's not an act. It's Dave, and he's going to tell you. He literally had me in tears crying. It was uh, it was the first year we figured out how to fish, and I know you guys have all been doing it way longer than I have, <laughs> and you know way more about it than I do. I already know all that, but I'm going to tell you. Don Brockman and I were sitting at his house, and uh, – and uh, Beaker, and we were getting our two-meter radios back in the day when no one had them, and we were watching Tribute to Tuna with Michael Folks, and we were looking at the dolphin and the tuna swimming with the dolphin, and no one had done it yet. I know you did it way more than I did it, but I'm just saying. No one had done it yet, and we cracked the code, and we figured out that those tuna were on the dolphin, and we were knocking the crap out of them day in and day out. And no one really knew how we were doing it. Just the three boats, the Thunderbird, the Freelance, and the Seahorse. And Mark came out with us. And when you get bit on the, you get your fish, and then you have to run like crazy to get back to the dolphin to get another bite. And Mark had his, that gold. Pen I, I 930 at the time. That a little, little gold, gold pen. On what yeah. pound test? Eight. They weren't <laughs> biting that day, but they bit the eight pound. And he fought that fish, I don't know, an hour? An yep, hour. you threw about five buckets of salt water on me, yelled at me, kicked me, tripped me. Pulled his pants down. Yeah, whatever he did, yeah. Nowadays you go to jail, but back then, <laughs> you were yeah. tougher then, man. The, yeah, there was, and there was no little cell phones with a camera on them. If no. they had cameras on them, there would, I would have zero followers right now. <laughs> it was awesome. and I mean, uh, but then, you know what? I did get it. Yeah. And you were like, all right, even if the people on the boat were yelling at you, let the kid alone, let him catch the fish. <laughs> and yeah, you go, don't but... ever do that again. I'm like, okay, sorry. <laughs> that was a fun day. It was. That was, it was so awesome. fun. There were so many great memories with you of the landing and the yep. respect my dad had for you and the respect you had for my father. And I know you used his work. Him and you talked a lot. Yeah. Even after, yeah. Even after time we'd go to breakfast and stuff like that. A wealth of knowledge, you know, on that. You know, it's funny that you brought up, you know, the, the dolphin thing because nobody really knew how to do it. And that's hard to say that nowadays, but nobody did. Remember the freaking heads and motors that you used to blow because you were running the boat so hard in those days? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was back in the days. Yeah, it was good fishing. It was fun. We're learning. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah it, was it was awesome. I was doing it on the half day boat and yep. we wouldn't even leave until hard. o'clock in the morning and we were catching 30, 40, 50 yellowfin a day yep. with straight rent rods. And it was a, it was a different time. It was a 
definitely a different time. It was a lot of fun. We had a really good time. We have so many great memories, you and I. We go back so far. Yeah. And to watch where you started out at and where you are today is just like unbelievable. So we jump backwards a little bit because you were about to jump into your Shimano career. Right. But uh, let's go into that. How did that happen? Because I know you were part of the show. You were part of Dana War Sport Fishing. Yep. And then all of a sudden, you were like Mr. Well, Shimano. Well, what was interesting is that um, I love fishing, no doubt about it. Everybody loves fishing. But um, I didn't want to be a guide, like I said. And I didn't want to be a deckhand uh, on that side. I wanted to do – and I wanted to fish all over the world if I could. How do I do that job? You know what I mean? I wasn't a good student by any means um, because I spent all the time at the landing working. That's all I cared about was work. But I was like, well, how do I become a – you know, uh, how do I get this job? And Elmer Alfafara, who was the product development manager – at Shimano at the time. And, and I had relationships too. I, I knew uh, Dave Pfeiffer very well. He had done some stuff with Let's Talk Hookup and he was young at his, in, in that time, he was probably 27 years old. I, I went to, to Shimano and I'm like, I'm, I'm looking to make a career change and I don't know really what, um, but I think I want to get into sales. And Elmer Alpha Father says, there's a sales job at Shimano. You should go apply. So I went in and I spoke to Mr. Pfeiffer, Dave at the time. And I'm like, Hey, I'd like to be your sales manager. He's like, okay, you know anything about forecasting? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, forecasting. I'm like, well, I know that if it's a full moon, I'm going to need heavier sinkers. Not quite the type of deal when you're working for a $100 million company or a $60 million company back then. He's like, well, I don't think you're going to be a, the great sales guy that we need right now, but I'd like to put you on the marketing team. So I got an opportunity to work with uh, uh, Etchamano on the marketing team and getting a chance to my, my first week, I was in Key West for a month. And I came back and got the opportunity to spend time with, uh, oh, at the time, Jimmy Houston and uh, who the bass fisherman, Jimmy Houston. And I spent some time with him and Bill Dance and all these guys that I got to do. And I, I kind of did marketing and product development on, on the Shimano side. And I did that from about 2000 to about 2008. And I, then I made another career change uh, on that end. Um, just because, you know, it was time and in, in business, there's, there's opportunities to make change and sometimes it's not a bad thing. So I left and went to, uh, Akuma and got to work with John and Doug. I know you're familiar with them and Mark Rogers and Dave and all those guys, Dave wasn't even there yet. Um, and did marketing and product development for those guys, um, for about, oh, two and a half to three years. Um, economy was very different than back 2007, 2008 and, once again, found another change. So went back to getting into the sales side and I got the opportunity to become a, a, a regional sales manager for Don Coffey, who represented Shimano at the time and uh, was a sales rep for Shimano. And I handled basically from the Mexican border to San Luis Obispo, Arizona, Nevada, and New Mexico, which is a huge territory. Um, and But it got me to learn that really not just the marketing aspect, the product development, but now I got the sales aspect side of how to sell product. I mean, literally write orders, sell product. Um, and then that lasted for about a year and a half. And Shimano came back and asked me again, why don't you come back and do their mar our marketing? So I came back to the factory side and worked for them for about another eight years. And they made a move that I just couldn't make. I, I, I didn't want to move to South Carolina. Um, they're a good company, no doubt about it. I just couldn't make the move, my family, everything else going on. So once again, made another change in 2015, I think it was. I, I came over here to Daiwa, and I've been at Daiwa ever since. So um, 
it's been awesome. I'm now there. Uh, I started as their field marketing manager, and now I'm the senior marketing manager um, in the company, which is uh, kind of one step below Kerry Graves, who's our president. So him and I have uh, worked together, and um, I get to do marketing, sales, product development, um, kind of everything. So it's a it's been a fun fun deal, and working for you know a company that's over a hundred million dollars, it's 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 big. It's a big big job. Uh, Daiwa has always been one of the big players in the game since I was a kid. I remember when those salty, the, um, oh, what is sea lines, sea lines, sea lines, SL20s, SL30s. That was the original, like, West Coast reel, other than the pens. I know pen 155s and pen 500s, yeah, but but they were nothing like those sea lines. Those no, cast an anchovy a mile. And that's they had a lightweight graphite spool that you could cast a pinhead chovy a mile and. They worked well, and that was kind of that's how it all started. And then, Daiwa's done some different st- stuff in the past. They kind of got away from the saltwater mar- market for many years, about twenty five, yeah, about twenty years. They got away from the saltwater market. Um, they focus mainly in the bass market. I deal with freshwater, saltwater, all all the species. Matter of fact, I was in Texas last week. The week before that, I was in Birmingham, Alabama, and Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Um, but they focused on bass fishing, and then when we came over. Um, we started to see how important the saltwater market was and we knew it. So we've evolved in the last, um, seven years. I think everybody, you know, knows where Daiwas came in the saltwater market with Saltigas and Saltises and we've done real good. Proteus rod. It's been fun. Right. Hold on one second. Ellie, can you throw that, can you throw that little thing up there from Pacific Sport Fishing Alliance real quick? I just want you to hear what Larry's got to say real quick and we'll jump right back in here with Mark. So if you could throw that. Hey guys, Larry Hansen, founder of Pacific Sport Fishing Alliance here. Just want to do a quick video and uh, talk about what uh, Pacific Sport Fishing Alliance does. Uh, we do we do a few things, but uh, mainly we provide bucket list style trips, plus everyday type fishing trips at affordable prices. Plus we have an alliance, a club, where you can join and travel to, to destinations all on a wholesale basis. Uh, right now our locations include Gustavus, Alaska, uh, where we do salmon and halibut and shrimp and crab and rockfish and lingcod. Uh, we do, uh, in Mexico, we do San Quentin, we do Gonzaga Bay, we do Bahia de Sangles, we do La Bocana, we do, uh, we do uh, Abriojos, and I think I mentioned Mag Bay as well. Uh, we're also in the process of purchasing a long-range boat here in San Diego. Uh, trips from one day to, to ten days and all the way down to Mag Bay, so that's in the process right now. Uh, we have our own full-service uh, travel booking company that we've uh, built that uh, we can help uh, members and guests uh, book, book their travel. Uh, we have... Uh, Deals cut with major tackle manufacturers for tackle discounts uh, to do that. Uh, we also have a bunch of condo inventory that we've acquired. It allows our, our, our clientele to go out and book condos all over the world on a cost basis. So that's kind of in a nutshell. I just wanted to talk about those, those things real quick. We, our company's model is we believe in fishing the best locations at the best time of year with the best gear for the best results. You know, we won't fish anything in the off season when it's cold and windy. So if it's something that interests you guys, you know, please email or call us. Uh, we'll give you a much more detailed explanation. Again, Pacific Sport Fishing Alliance. I'm Larry Hansen. I'm the founder. Uh, my, my cell phone number is posted all over our website. Uh, or you can send me an email. Uh, I always answer all of those. Thanks for watching. Hope to see you guys fishing soon. All right. Thanks, Larry. Hey, Mark. Sorry about that. Hey, that was awesome. No doubt. Thank you.
Now, it's pretty fun cruising up to this thing he's got going on in Alaska is a big deal. Kelly and I are on our way up there. Uh, you ever get a chance to fish up there, Dave? Alaska's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's what I hear. I'm pretty excited about going and checking it out. Yep. It should be fun. And the lodge he's got, it looks pretty dang amazing. So I'm excited to go up there and check it all out. And uh, you guys didn't get catch his phone number or anything? Grab that QR code right there. Grab it with your phone. Elliot's going to pull it down here in a second. So if you haven't got that information about Larry, grab that QR code real quick. We're going to get back into this chit chat we're having with Mr. Mark Mills. So grab that QR code and here we go. So Mark, yeah, when you were working for Shimano, you got to start doing some really cool traveling, right? You got to start traveling around and doing some fishing in some pretty spectacular places besides Dana or sport fishing, right? Yeah. You know what? Uh, that's true. You, you, you always think you know a lot about fishing. And I thought I did when, when I left the landing, cause I'm like, Oh, I, I fish bass a little bit and, you know, trout fishing and, 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 you know, up and down our coastal inshore and stuff like that but then i had to learn so much more um and you just you don't understand that most people don't understand how the fishing industry and what it's like and all over you know i would i would spend a month every year literally from april to may fishing the keys you know catching tarpon and permit blackfin tuna sailfish amberjack you know all that stuff um literally um myself and dave Pfeiffer were one of the first people to do any type of at that time um, we called it butterfly jigging, slow pitch jigging, all that. We were the innovators of that. Sh Shimano really was the innovator of that. And I was the first one. Ever. I mean, you want to know a funny story. This is not, not a joke. Is that Dave and I at that time were, um, went to Sanko Mini Island on his uh, sea craft at the time. And we were fishing uh, off Pyramid. And we had these new lures. They're called butterfly jig lures. And we go over there and we're, we're jigging. And at that time, whoever had it at the time, the Thunderbird pulls up. They have no idea who Dave and I are, just that we're on a center console. And they see the way we're jigging. And the first thing, the guy had his mic keyed. And he's like, guys, I've never seen such booger eaters in the whole world as these two individuals. And then we started hanging fish. And they had no idea who we are. They had never, nobody had ever even thought of seeing a butterfly jig or a slow pitch jig or anything of that nature ever. We're like the first. And it was funny because he's like, dude, that guy right there, he just hung a fish and he hung one and we're hanging yellows full speed. They were not getting bit and they had no idea what that was. And literally they called us full booger eaters on, on the boat. It was awesome. <laughs> it was great. And we're literally the first. I mean, you can ask all the people that are jigging now. They weren't the first. Literally Pfeiffer and I were the first at the time. And um, it was an awesome trip that he took me to go out on. And then we went down to the keys and we catch Amberjack and grouper and all the other stuff down there. So it was pretty awesome, um, on that end. And then fishing in the Northeast for striped bass. Um, I didn't even know that's coming up, which that's not the Northeast. Uh, that's Lake Mojave. Do a lot of freshwater fishing. Uh, I got a bass boat. I've got a center console boat too. Um, you know, on that end. So nice yeah. yellow tail tuna right there. <laughs> you don't do that. <laughs> so, uh, Yep, some jacks. Um, I love, you know, Wesley uh, Burroughs and I are good buddies. He's one of my pro staffers. Uh, there's it right there. Kind of cool. That was a, a snapper there fishing in the Gulf. But um, I love fishing surf. Fish surf fishing super um, therapeutic. As you ask me, you can kind of has your, you can do your own thing, run up and down the beach. It's pretty awesome, you know, on that side. So I love going down to East Cape and Cabo and doing that with him. He's an amazing angler and. If you ever, all you guys think you can cast far, you ain't going to cast like Wesley, man. That guy's amazing. Yeah, amazing. I've had the opportunity to fish with him down here. It's pretty, he's a pretty amazing young man. Yeah, pretty no cool doubt about guy. it. 
and yeah. a very humble human. Totally, yeah. But um, so yeah, um, walleye, fish and walleye, salmon, um, you you name it. You know, speckled trout, redfish in the Gulf. You know, I've got literally had the opportunity of of anybody that say, hey, I really want to catch everything. I've been very fortunate, you know, and literally you and your family gave me that opportunity, you know, back in 1989 to to go out there and say, have you caught everything? Basically, yeah, I I, I have been fortunate enough to do so uh, on that end. And, so. and one thing that our viewers probably don't understand on the West Coast is when you get down to Florida, you find out that we're there's really no fishing here in Southern California. When you get down there, it's a totally different animal and boats. There's we we think we have some boats in our harbors. Yeah. We don't have any. We don't have nothing, man. When I, yeah. Kelly and I lived in Fort Lauderdale for five months, yeah, a couple of years ago, I was just blown away. Everywhere you went, everybody's got a boat. Everywhere's a boat, and everybody fishes. Yep, it is a lifestyle. I mean, I, I'm super. We we had this discussion this this afternoon before we came on that. The, the, the fishing lifestyle, especially I think because of this bluefin tuna fishing and the, the, the amazing fishing that we've had the last few years has brought in some new anglers and stuff. But Southern California hadn't had a lifestyle, but it does have a lifestyle now. I mean, you know, the, I went to PCS this year, obviously, and everybody did. It was an amazing show. But you want to know what's cool about going to the PCS show is that if you look there, and I was there on Friday and Saturday, every single person in there had a fishing T-shirt of some sort. You know, before you do, everybody had fishing shirts. So it's a clothing lifestyle. It's a, everybody digs it. And that's the way Florida is. And that's the way, you know, when you go down to Texas and that's the way it is. And it's great to see our fishery, you know, kind of starting that true lifestyle. You know, I'd go down to Florida, you know, when I was with Shimano and even with Iowa, I was a superhero down there because I worked for a company in the fishing industry. It's amazing, you know. Chicks right. dig it too back then. Because <laughs> everybody, everybody fishes down there, which yeah. we don't understand. And everybody. Todd Manzer and I, we were lucky enough to have you as our friend when you went to work over at Akuma and you brought the two of us over there. Yep. And then you explain. I remember the day you explained to Todd and I, guys, you don't get it. We no. Southern California, we don't sell any tackle here compared to what we sell in the midwest no. and in florida we no. don't sell nothing guys so calm down and understand that and we're like wait a minute what are you talking about and then you started to explain numbers and we were like because yeah. we've never been anywhere we're <laughs> california boys yeah it's pretty amazing you know what's the other fun thing is that <clears throat> spinning tackle um in our market you know west coast if you had a spinning reel and a lot of that's changed because of braided line but if you had a spinning spinning tackle you were made fun of but now it's almost becoming, you know, in certain aspects with the big tuna and throwing poppers. And I know you can do it with all different stuff, but spinning tackle has become a major player in the West Coast market. Um, it's One like second. a golf club. Go Look, ahead. Lori. You remember Lori? Yeah. Oh, yep. See what she says? Everyone, the best here in market wants everyone to catch. Exactly. That was it. I love watching you know, yeah. us both since yep. we were, well, we've known Lori since she was young. We've all yep. known each other since we were all little kids yeah. running yep. around Dana or sport fishing. Yeah. Basically 35 years, you know, on that end, I was 14 and heck you were young. You had, you had no gray. I've got lots of gray, but I hide it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that's awesome. Yes, it is. But yeah, but as far as tackle, you've seen our tackle out here evolved. And that was kind of my, my biggest thing is I want people to come to, to fish, but I also love the portion about tackle of, the right tools for the right job, you know, that's important on that end. 
Oh, and you gave back so much to the in the very beginning of the the kids taking kids fishing at Dana or sport fishing, man. Yeah. You and you've done so many different seminars. If someone Googled your name and they went into all the archives of back when there was no social media, but people were And I'm not a big social media guy. I mean, I, I don't really post that much on that side, but no, it's been amazing watching the evolution out here on that. And, and, you know, a lot of it has to do with you and what you've done and how you've changed the, the mentality out here. And you have, I know without social media, you've had a big voice in the industry here on the West Coast, which is cool. But then you got to go and you got to go see all the other aspects of it and start to check all that out. And, and I know you work for Shimano for a lot of your career and you work yep. for Okuma and now you're with Daiwa and Daiwa yep. is doing some unbelievable things right now in the fishing industry, especially in the freshwater. Can you touch on that for just a little bit? Can we talk yeah. about that? Yeah, totally. I mean, we, we really have on the freshwater side, that's where we spent most of our, you know, um, technology. We've got stuff, um, you know, on our end where technology like our T-wing system in our bass reels. Uh, it's a really great feature that allows you to cast further, less backlashes. Um, some of the new stuff and that we, we build, we're, we're a true manufacturer as well. I mean, there's a lot of companies out there that build stuff, but they don't build it. They just put their name on it. hundred percent. Daiwa builds basically 95% of their own fishing rods. We don't have an outsourced company and put our name out. We build it, uh, in-house and everything else. We have our own company. Uh, we build all of our own reels. We don't take in outsource reels or anything of that nature. So a lot of the technology and you know, looking at the market and going, hey, what do we need to have that's cool? What's, you know, efficient? And how do we make this better? How do we make that better? Um, we do that. And a lot of it, it pertains to the U.S. is a lot of stuff that I look at. And what are we going to do? What do we need here? How does this reel need to work? What what speed do we need? What ratio? Drag pressures? You know, um, when it comes to the Dendo market, which is the electric reel market, Daiwa dominates it, you know. Um, the, the new Tanacom, you know, when our rockfish opened up, you're familiar with that, obviously it's unlimited four years ago, we came out with a 500 that I wanted. We've have smaller reels. We have three hundreds, uh, in Japan, we're working on that, but the 500 was small enough that you could still fish. And I knew within the next four years, they're going to open up that fishery and the Tanacom electric 500. If you, we can't build enough of them right now. We just cannot build enough of them, um, which is awesome. How wonderful is that? Yeah, you yeah. gave me my, I remember when we first started doing the kite thing and, yep. and I am an Akuma guy and you were like, Dave, you need this electric reel. You guys are flying that kite every day and you're like, here, take this. And I'm like, well, yeah, uh, you know, and you're like, I don't care. You cannot be winding that thing in every no, day. You kill yourself. And it changed our whole thing, bro. And I was like, so Thank you so much still today for that reel. That changed our, and then if I was up there rock fish fishing right now, dropping two hooks down 800 feet, I'm not yeah. winding that poop. No, down. dude, I, I went out to, uh, was it, what day was it? I think it was Good Friday. I went out and got on to, and that was right after the season opened up, out to the 14, and I was fishing like 800 and some feet of water, and it was just the electric reel. Dude, it's the ticket, man, you know, especially jig fishing too. Um, fish and jigs where you're going to catch one at a time, but you still want to enjoy doing it. Um, I fish really light lime. It's going to blow everybody away. You can't, Oh, that doesn't make, it does make sense. I fish 10 pound, 10 pound braid on my 500 and I could fish as deep as I want. Um, you can't break 10 pound guarantee it. Once again, it's one of those things, Dave, that nobody believes it. You put on 20 or 30 pound fluoro and a and 10 pound and tie a good FG knot. It ain't going to break. You can't pull hard enough. You know, you really can't. 
fish ain't going to break it out there. That stuff's me. Yeah, and a rockfish ain't going to break it off. No, and and basically because that 10-pound, if you're fishing, you know, 800 or 1,000 feet of water or whatever you're fishing, that the the resistance of the current cuts right through that 10-pound, so it allows you to fish much lighter lures. You can fish a 300-gram jig in 800 feet of water. You know, back when we were fishing 80-pound Dacron, you couldn't get a jig down, even if it wasn't 300 grams, you know? <laughs> so it's it's all that stuff is it getting the ability to change the market. You know, nobody wants to fish light line braid. They're like, oh, you know, I got to fish 55 or 60 pounds. Nope. You put 25 pound or I'm sorry, 30 pound braid. You can catch anything you want out here for the most part. Right. School and fish. Like, like you said, the way it cuts through the water with that current, when you're dropping your sinker down 800 feet, most people can't even comprehend dropping a line down 800 feet, let alone right. thinking of what the drag is on your line. Right. Even if it is braid, it's still getting drugged with the current, right? Yeah, well, it totally is, you know. And and a lot of that, too, is that, you know, you, you step into the bigger stuff as the guys are fishing swordfish and stuff out here. You know, they think that they're down at, let's say, um, 700 to 1,000 feet of water. Well, it says that, but they don't understand that the bow could be another 700 feet away. You know what I mean? Just because of the resistance. So. That current is a big deal. Yep. I mean, you don't 100%. even really know what it's doing down there three, 400 feet. It can be going totally the opposite way. So yeah, that's uh, the cool thing about what you do because you set, not only do you set in there and help development, but you're out there fishing all the time. Like you said it 20 minutes ago, you've had the opportunity to fish for everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been lucky. When you're sitting in there talking about a reel that you would like them to put together, it's got to do this, that, yeah. You're talking about something that you had the opportunity to go do, and you know that if they just tweak this little thing or do that little thing, it's going to change everything. There is, I'm, I'm just going to rip some covers off. There's not a lot of people in your part of the industry that have your pedigree, that have got to work on the boats, have got to see all the different aspects of it, and that's just the truth. To be no. perfectly honest. I appreciate that. And yeah, I pretty, I think I'm the only one in the industry that's been with three of the major manufacturers in the industry. Not bad. Didn't leave on any bad terms. No, heck, I talked to Doug once a week over at Akuma. I talked to Dave. I talked to all the guys at Shimano and here, I'm not on any bad terms. And, but over and aside that, getting the opportunity to work on the boats as a deckhand, cutting fish, dumping right. the trash cans, all that. It was awesome. It's a dude. I love the industry hands down. Right. And you're a workaholic. You work your butt off. Yeah, you see, you get a little older now. You know how that goes. It's, it, it changes. You have to be a little bit more, uh, you got to, you know, kind of mellow that out a little bit on certain things. But yeah, you know, on that well, side. Well, yeah, the industry watches the show and the industry started calling me when they found out when Elliot put up the banner that you were going to be on the show. The industry starts calling me up and starts telling me Mark Mills stories. Hey, do you know Mark? How long do you know Mark? Starts telling me stories. Doug had stories to tell me. You know, they don't know our history. They don't know that you and I have been around the block a bunch of times together. And you were there no. back in the bad days of Dave Hansen. So I don't think there's any bad days of Dave Hansen. We're not talking too many stories because we don't want Mark to tell any stories. But, <laughs> <laughs> but we go back a long ways. The industry, Mark is very, very involved in the industry. And we're, we got about 20 minutes left. And if you have a burning desire or a really spectacular question you would like to ask mark we'll take some questions for a little bit as we chit chat here we'll still yep. take questions if you got something you want to talk about 
But Mark, you just got back from Texas. You also yep. were at the Bassmaster. You got a lot of people, a lot of good friends. You were talking about Jimmy Houston. Yep. In the industry, in that bass world. Gang, you, what you don't understand and what Mark helped me understand is we don't even, I think I have some fishing rods. I probably have 30 or 40 of them right here. And I have some reels. But we don't have anything compared to what these bass guys have. They got so many no. reels. I got guys that like my pro staff, because I, I manage the pro staff for Dial. I've got 10 key pro staff national guys that are either on major league fishing or with BASS. And, you know, they hit me for up for like 67, 65, 70 rods and reels. Because basically every lure that they have, they don't want to tie lures. They need every lure on every rod, you know, uh, that they're using. Um, and when it breaks off, for the most part, they'll put it away and they'll grab another, you know, setup for whatever they're doing. They'll keep basically 15 to 20 rods on the deck and another 30 or 40 underneath the deck of their bass boats on that side. And every one of those rods fishes that lure a little bit different, right? Yeah, that's a big thing is it, it you know, that that's what's important. It all fishes the lure a little bit different. Certain, you know, when you've got like a vertical bait or a horizontal bait, such as like a crankbait or something like that, or a worm or a jig, you need a different, and you're using a different hook, um, a treble hook versus a big gap worm hook. They're all a little bit different. Um, and everything performs a little bit different, you know, depending on what you're doing wind conditions, everything else, you know, there's a lot there. And that's what I loved about the fishing is, is digging into all that stuff, you know, um, and the aspects of what makes it the absolutely perfect setup. And then the same with the reel, right? Every single reel has a different function for every different kind of crankbait, worm. Yeah, you've got your different gear ratios. You got, you know, reels that go to a six to one, a five to one, seven to one, eight to one, 10 to one now um, on that side. Um, and then a lot of breaking. So everybody thinks that, you know, the better bearings you put on the reel, on a bass reel, the further it's going to cast. That is not true. Um, it's the breaking system and the weight of the spool. You can use the best bearings ever. It may feel a little bit better and it may make your spool spin, but it ain't going to make you cast that any better. Um, a lot of it is on the breaking. And, you know, depending if you're using centrifugal weights, magnetic weights, or what Daiwa tends to use on some of our stuff, uh, a combination of a centrifugal and magnetic breaking system on, on that. Um, and that all changes too. It, when the wind's in your face, the wind's behind you, um, the weight of your lure, the aerodynamics of your lure, a spinner bait's a lot different than a jig, you know, how it's going to cast. So there's a lot there. It's super fun. So let's just say one of your pro staff guys that are fishing on their bass boat in one of those mm -hmm. tournaments, yep. how many rods and reel combos hooked up, rigged up, ready to go? How many basically, what's the number? I'm going to throw, I'm gonna to throw go. basically 50. 50 Five rods zero. and reels yeah. rigged up and ready to fish. They'll, they'll have about 15 on each side of the boat. So on the port side and the starboard side of the boat underneath the front. And they'll have basically 15 or 20 on the deck. Wow, that is incredible, gang. Yeah. So that's what I'm talking about. When you think about the Southern California fishery, we are just like a tiny little blip on the radar of these uh, manufacturing companies. You got to understand what's going on in the Midwest and what's going on in Florida is absolutely incredible. And then this bass thing, this largemouth bass fishing thing is a totally yeah. different animal than any of us can even comprehend, right? It's an amazing animal. You want to know what the, we were just talking about this too, is that the youth market, the kids fishing is so amazing. They have... 
um, middle school and high school and college level fishing now throughout the South Alabama, Arizona, I'm sorry, Alabama, Arkansas, all the Southern markets, Tennessee, Georgia, um, in Texas is probably the biggest for high school and grade school. This is what these kids do. I mean, it is huge. And what's cool is that you've got boys and girls fishing against each other. It's an equal playing field at that age. And it's, it's amazing. Um, it's these kids love it, you know? Um, and what's even more is that the adults use their boats on the weekends to take these kids out fishing. They don't get to fish. The adult doesn't get to fish. He just takes the, you know, two kids out of the team and takes them out on his own boat just to let them fish for a few hours to fish a tournament. It's amazing. That is such a, that is so cool. And then you take this a step further and I'm going to get a little political right now because I do a lot is, uh, why do you think there's such a push with all the other states in the United States pushing this fishing thing up the ladder? Why do you think California wants to shove it down the ladder so bad? What do I you can't think? answer that personally. That I don't know. Most, it, I mean, it, it is with me. Well, isn't that the craziest thing you've ever seen? It, it is. And, and the catch and release portion of the, of the industry is so good now. That basically, you know, people think, you know, once again, politicalized, people think you put a hook in a fish's mouth that you've hurt the fish. You haven't. The fish are not people. They're not mammals. It's completely different. They catch it. You drop that fish. You get the hook off, drop it in. You catch that fish five minutes later, you know, Um, and the the new live well systems in the boats, the fish don't die. They're actually better off um, in the live wells nowadays than even in the water um, because the oxygen that they do and everything. So. It's, I have no idea what California is to do with that. I, I, I just hope that it gets better the, on that end. Um, but when you get through the South, Florida, Texas, Oklahoma, Georgia, Tennessee, Kentucky, all those areas, fishing dominates the youth market. Um, it really does in the school systems. And if it wasn't for fishing, you and I wouldn't be sitting here talking right now. So you and I get it. And we understand how important it is to keep children fishing and what it means when we introduce children and you do it all the time. And so do I, and so does Dane or sport fishing and most of the landings up and down the coast where you try to keep the children involved. It's so important. And it's just, I know, I'm sorry, I'm going to hit it one more time, but it just blows my mind how the state of California just doesn't understand how important this whole fishing thing is to the youth to get them involved to doing other things than staring at their phone or going out there and causing havoc. Like, yeah, it's pretty sad what's going on. And so, and getting the, letting the kids to figure out a different type of fishing. I mean, working at the landing was awesome. And, and I know you like to fish other stuff too, but I had, you remember Joe Crawford, uh, yeah. Joe Crawford's like, Hey, you like to fish, Mark? I'm like, yeah. He's like, come with me. I'm going to take you to a bass tournament. And I got my first opportunity to fish the tournament of champions up at Lake Mead back 90, I think it was. And I was hooked into bass fishing. I actually told my dad, let's sell the ski boat. I need a bass boat. And he's like, okay. So my father and I fished for almost 20 years together as a, you know, uh, a tournament team partner, you know, every weekend we're at, Diamond Valley or El Cap or San V or any of the lakes around here, you know, um, Otai. So, and then we'd big the tournament. We go to Mead, Mojave, Powell, all those places. So look at the uh, question yeah. here from Miss Hot Rod. See the question? Yeah, let's see here. I can only use spinning tackle a petite one, but Mad Fisherman, what do you recommend for saltwater rod and reel? So if I'm going to recommend a saltwater rod and reel uh, on the spinning side, um, 
I'm going to suggest, uh, depending on the price point range, and they have different features, but the new BGMQ um, would be perfect. And if you're fishing saltwater, local calico bass and stuff in, in this region, um, like a seven foot medium, um, medium heavy will allow you catch calico bass to yellowtail to school size tuna. Um, that's the ticket on the spinning side. Um, go with like a 5,000 size reel, um, put some basically 30 to 40 pound braid on it and uh, assortment of fluorocarbon leaders from 15 pound to 40 pound and you'll get it done. That's cool. Thank you very much. Yeah. For that. Here's another question. This You might know this kid. Gavin. Yep. <laughs> Practically my second son. Right. Yep. What are your thoughts on Mustad rip roller slow pitch jig? Uh, um, slow pitch jigging is awesome, Gavin. You know that. Everybody loves it. We got to go to Clemente, you and I, and go try and catch some yellows. Good jig. Um, once again, like I was telling Dave, don't go too heavy on the uh, fluorocarbon. Don't go too heavy on the braided line. But once again, Mustad makes a good jig. There's a lot of good jigs out there. It's up to you on how to use it and how to work it. Tim, you've been up in the Sierras a lot, Mark. Tim's got a question for yeah, you. Yeah, I grew up up there. I grew up out of uh, Bridgeport on Lower Twin Lakes. Uh, I'm going to Sierras this week. What's a good trout up for Daiwa? Trout setup. Um, you know what's cool is that our Kage lineup, our Kage ultralight rods, we do them from a 5.6 up to an 8-footer. Um, we use a really cool top. It's called Mega Top. It's a really super thin top. It's got a real light tip action, but it's plenty of backbone to get that fish, that little hook stuck in the fish's mouth, but enough to kind of kind of let it kind of fold in. Um, I know that for the most part, a lot of guys like trout rods that are like kind of noodles. This isn't a noodle rod, but it's a super thin, lightweight rod. It's a Kage uh, lineup by Daiwa Ultralight. Uh, Fisherman Axis has it around here locally. You can... Uh, you won't find them online. Um, it is a setup that we don't sell to uh, anybody online. It's kind of our kind of, we call it in the shadows. But any of your local retailers, you can get it through uh, any of the local retailers here in Southern California, if that's where you're calling from. See, well, one of my good friends, Dan, he's always here to talk about the show. Yep. Um, Dan, I know folks in Japan. Uh, and it's, uh, I had to see Daiwa is such a good fisherman and women. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. It's, he's always here for us. Thanks, Dan. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. So um, if I was to uh, sum Mark Mills up in, in just a one sentence, oh, it geez. would have to be totally motivated, 100% in whatever you're doing. You are like kind of like me. You're kind of like addicted to this. <laughs> you tell me what we're doing, and I'm in 100%. Yeah. Like when you learn with Joe Crawford, Joe, I that's a big name. That's a, that touched a nerve in my heart. Yeah, that's another one. Yep, no doubt about it. But uh, you got so motivated on that bat. One time you went with Joe. Yep. I, <laughs> I got to buy a boat. How do I get involved in this, you know? Um, yeah, one time I remember being at Lake Mead, and I knew kind of like bass fishing. I kind of knew it a little bit. I knew how to go catch a bass from Laguna Niguel Lake. And um, it was funny because I was drop shotting in the trees with four pound. I stuck a four pound fish, put it on the boat and the line snapped as I got it in the boat. He's like, what pound test are you using? I'm like four. He's like, dude, we're fishing in the middle of these trees. You got to be fishing like 20 pound. I'm like, I got it. doesn't matter. Put it in the boat. So yeah, it was cool. Oh my. Yeah. Because you like, yeah, you like the bass fish. I know you go bass fishing, freshwater fishing a lot in the Sierras as well, Dave, no doubt oh, about yeah. it. 
And then I got to do, I got to do something really special when I was in Fort Lauderdale. I got to go catch those peacock bass. Oh, there you go. In the, in the, um, oh, basically the drainage ditches and stuff there. Oh yeah. But I'll tell you what, good thing for those peacock bass. I don't live there because (laughs) boy, that was a super addictive thing. The only thing they had going for them was the fact that I don't know how to throw a net because (laughs) coming from Southern California, we're not allowed. There's another thing about yeah Southern we California. can't yep we can't throw cast nets. use a throw net in nope. Cal- in California just like a lot of people watch our videos and go why don't you guys just why are you gaffing that bluefin why don't you just throw the harpoon that's another one we're not allowed to do <laughs> we're gonna kill the fish he's gonna go on the boat we're gonna kill him we're gonna eat him but we can't harpoon him is that yeah. the lamest thing you yeah made? I I it's you know it is what it is you know there's a lot of lame things there. You know, the cast net thing throws me off. I don't quite understand why that doesn't, you know, um, make sense. But it is what it is. But, yeah, I mean, I'm sure down in Florida, you got to throw the cast net a little bit and learn how. It's not easy. Oh, no, it's not easy, especially for a fat old man. No, like I was going to say, you gotta, that's one of those things you start, like, riding a bike when you're a young person. You don't learn that as you get older. No. And the guy was just laughing at me so hard. And I, <laughs> I tried it like five times. And the third time I went in the water and I was like, oh, I'm so glad the camera's not going right now because it, it was not a pretty picture. But I was determined to try to figure it out because, man, if you had those tilapia for bait, it was and you know me. Mark knows me as good as anyone. I'm a bait guy. You guys yep. all talk about all your lures and all that stuff. I want to pin a bait on and cast it into the peacock bass's mouth. And it's it's a it's a pretty spectacular thing. Bait yep. fishing is my thing. Mark Mills is whatever gotta, they're biting. I, whatever they're yeah, whatever they're biting, you know. The, I, I'm a bait guy. I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a lure guy as well. You know, besides, you know, just for fun freshwater fishing, I fish SPS, saltwater bass series. Jerry Mayhew's my pro staff guy. I fished the whole series the last five years in a row. That's what my center console is for. San Diego Bay, Mission Bay. Um, that's both, you know, we do offshore Calico Sandbass tournaments on that as well. Newport Harbor, um, which is a super fun fishery. It's funny that all my buddies throughout the country, when they see what a spotted bay bass, they want to go catch them because they are, they pull hard. They pull and fight harder than a largemouth. They really do. Catch them on spinner baits, crank baits. It's a super fun fishery, you know, when it comes to that. But that's my other kind of fun passion. Yeah, and I got side. Mag Bay five hours from here. We go up there and fish Mag Bay. And I, when I'm with the guide and we, he's throwing the net, catching us bait, I am fishing spotties full speed. And in Mag Bay, it doesn't matter where you – if you throw your lure and present it proper, I don't care where you are. You get a spotted bay bass. They are yeah, so prevalent. everywhere. Yeah, I was, I was there last November. It was pretty awesome. I did a big kayak trip with Hobie uh, okay. down there. Did – did some marlin fishing from a kayak. It was awesome. Never do it again. Great way to die. 100%, <laughs> dude. Don't do that. Um, I didn't, but you could see it, you know, 40-mile-an-hour you know, 40 fish coming at you is pretty gnarly. Got to do that and fish Mag Bay and fish the uh, um, Corvina there and everything else. It was, it was awesome. That's a beautiful well, it's, place. It's such a spectacular fishery. It's one of those places that will never, ever get ruined because of location, lack of power, lack of water. It's going to always be like that. It's so pristine. It's so beautiful. And it's a five-hour drive for me. It's like fishing the Sierras. So I go up there four or five times a year. It's pretty spectacular fishery. There's so much to do there. It's so fun. But uh, I'm stuck on that spotted bay bass. My guide, when we're up there, he's just laughing at me. He's like, dude, 
every cast I'm catching a little spotty like that big, and I'm just as happy as I've ever caught anything. Well, we got to catch it. You know, try to catch now on a tournament. So you got to—they got to be 14 inches, obviously, because that's our right. bass size now. Trying to catch five 14-inch fish in Newport Harbor is not that easy to do, dude. No, <laughs> no. Gang, one uh, more time. We're going to yeah. wrap this thing up in a few minutes, but I want you to. We got a, quite a few people that weren't on here in the beginning. This Anthony Shea Lifetime Conservation Award is going to be handed to Bill Shedd on August 3rd down at SeaWorld. If you want to join, Mark will be there. Yep. I will have a table. I will be there. Kelly Girl and I, we have a table at, the sh at this awards banquet. If you want to join either one of us, you can sit with Mark at his day. You can sit with me at my table. You grab that QR code and you... Go and you check this out. Here's what's really cool about this thing, Mark, which I'm like you. We're both kind of nerds about fishing. We right. get to go into hubs yep, and we get to spend the cocktail hour in hubs. That's the hatchery where they grow the white sea bass and the halibut where all the research is done on all the fish in California and across the nation. There he is. There's the man. And uh, we get to go there to start with. Then we're going to get on that that. Sky tram or whatever you call those baskets. And we're going to go over to the SeaWorld property, which Bill Shedd's father was the creator of SeaWorld. He's the man. He built SeaWorld. You can see a whole interview with Bill over on my website, yoursaltwaterguide.com. But we get to go on to the SeaWorld property after hours and have a beautiful dinner and celebrate Bill and all his achievements and all his accomplishments, making sure that we all get to fish. Right, Mark? Bill's an amazing man, um, very good friend of mine. Him and I went down to Panama together about six years down to San Blas, Panama. We had a great time fishing, and um, he's just – he's a wealth of knowledge, and he's an industry leader and wealth of knowledge, and his passion is like, you know, no other. I'm actually a board member uh, on the marketing board for CCA, and um, I'm also a, a, uh, on the chair for um, the um, – ASA, American Sport Fishing Association. Um, but Bill puts so much time and effort, and uh, uh, his son is following in his footsteps very well, Casey Shedd as well. So it'll be a great event, um, and I highly respect the man. I, I just can't believe he has enough time to do all this stuff that he does. So it's going to be a good event. We're going to have fun there. Oh, absolutely. And uh, the icing on the cake Besides the fact that you get to hang out with Bill and all that is we get to, I'm just geeked out about being at SeaWorld after hours. I love <laughs> SeaWorld. SeaWorld's such a neat place to be. So there's going to be so much fun there and the whole industry is going to be there. So if yep. there's people there, gang, you grab that QR code that, uh, that Elliot flashed up on the screen. That's going to take you directly to purchase those tickets. I'm telling you, this thing's going to sell out fast. So make sure you get a ticket. You want to be at the table and all the money and all the proceeds Bill and everybody at CCA, all the money goes to CCA to help yep. keep fishing open. Like Mark and I were talking yep. about 15, 20 minutes ago, it blows both of our minds that all they want to do is close fishing in California. And, and you know but, what, Dave, is that what happens here happens everywhere else. It starts here and other areas fall into that. We've got our issues in Florida and snapper closures and everything else, you know, on that side. So you, we have to fight extremely hard here in Southern California because that'll affect fishing all over the rest of the United States. It really does. Whatever happens here just resonates all over. Yeah, it's a trickle-down effect. I talk about it all the time. They Every state watches California and they go, huh. Uh -huh. Exactly. Another chunk of ocean from California. 
If they're letting them have it that easy in California, we're going to take it here in Florida. We're going to. I was I was part of the MLPA process uh, back 15, 20 years ago on that. Uh, it was a very good learning curve for me to understand what really goes on and how that worked and how that I mean, obviously didn't go as well as planned. But um, now, like I said, it was a good education process for me to how how this all works. Yeah, it's very very intense, gang. And if we're we don't have a if we don't have at least a voice at the table, that's pretty sad. And that's the only voice we really have, Mark, is CCA, correct? Yeah, uh, for Southern California for the most part, yes, that, that's and, it. And, and be honest, it it takes money. We, we don't want to say the word, but it takes money to fight this craziness. It does. It takes money. There's a lot of strategic stuff there. It's, it's very – if you don't have the money, you're not going to win, you know, uh, those – Companies that are fighting this have tremendous amounts of backing, even more so than we. But, you know, uh, it's not just the money. That's a good portion of it. But it's also the involvement of the anglers and the voice of the anglers. 100%. Right. So we just got to be involved, gang. If you can't make the dinner, just check out CCA and become a part of CCA. And those of you on the East Coast and, and in Texas, I know we get a lot of viewers all over the United States. Just understand, like Mark said. When they're done with us, they're coming for you. Yeah. I mean, you know, Dave, remember we fish up Laguna and area. You can't do that anymore. You know, uh, those areas up there were tremendous fisheries for us, you know, on that end. Most so, spectacular yeah. fishing places I'd ever been doing. I've been around not as much yeah, as you, but I've been Brian around. Brian Woolley and I used to fish up there and Brett Eller back when we were kids. And it was amazing fishing up there. You get on the right day and then conditions were right, you know, fishing calico bass up in the boilers and stuff. It's just insane. Yep. Well, Mark, it's been an yep. hour. I know you got a bunch of business going on. Elliot's got stuff to do. I want to yep. thank everybody for joining us. And Mr. Mills, thank you very, very much. Dave, thank you very much. You've been so successful at your, at your doing of this deal. I mean, I love that it's Dave. Don't he's not acting. It's Dave's Dave, and you've done a good job. And I appreciate you, you know, calling and having me on. And you and I need to go do some fishing. Hey, I'll take you spot a bay bass fishing on a boat with a trolling motor. We'll go into freaking Mission Bay and we'll get them. Oh, that would be a blast. Thank you very, very much, Mark. Thanks yep. for the offer. Everybody, thanks for being a part of the show. We couldn't do the show without all of you. Thank you yep. very much. Don't forget to check out Pacific Sport Fishing Alliance. That was a cool little video that uh, Larry made for us. Check out Daiwa USA, right? Daiwa yep, you got it. Hit it. USA. Daiwa USA. You, perfect. Okay. Check out, you don't know who Mark is, just Google his name. You're going to go, oh my gosh. Oh, and then goodness. do me you a favor. Me check out <laughs> yoursaltwaterguide.com. Thank you all. Have a great day. See ya. Bye, Dave. Thank you.